CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. The guys here getting ready behind me. In the meantime, here's what's coming up on the show. The Chartmaster says this sleepy Dow stock is about to pop when it reports earnings next week. And he has the charts to prove it. Plus, NVIDIA shares have plunged 50% from the highs. Mike Coe says the worst is behind it. He'll break it down. And financials just snapped their longest winning streak in years. And after soaring off the December lows, Dan Nathan says it's time to take your money and run. He'll lay out the trade. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And we start with the financials, snapping the longest weekly winning streak since 2012. And this could be the end game for the sector after coming out of the gates hot in the first few weeks of the year, despite the sell-off this week. City and Bank of America are up double digits in 2019. J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley all up only around 3%. So is this the beginning of the end for the bank rally? Let's get in the money right now. And Dan is taking a look. Yeah, I think it is. You know, we, we touched on the banks um, in the first week of December on the show. I think we were all in agreement that the underperformance for all of 2000 2018 was a really bad tell for this group. Well, what happened in December? The bank group crashed. At least the U.S. banks did. Citibank in particular dropped 25% in a month down to its Christmas Eve lows. That's the one we're going to focus on again. But I want to hit on a couple of things. What are some of the reasons of the last couple of days that have maybe been spooking bank investors? There's obviously been a lot of rumors that Deutsche Bank is going to be in a for, uh, forced merger with Commerce Bank. We have a 20-year chart of the Euro Stocks Banking Index. This thing is banging along the lows. It's not just Deutsche Bank that uh, European investors are worried about there. And I also want to say there was a really interesting deal this week. Now we have the two regions banks. We have BB&T and we had SunTrust merging in a $66 billion deal. They're going to be the sixth largest bank. Kind of weird. The biggest deal in 10 years. I just want to make a point. When you're talking about forced mergers or a merger that's supposedly done out of strength, let's go back and look a decade ago, 2008, when J.P. Morgan was forced to buy Bear Stearns in March of 2008 for two bucks on its way to 10. It's really interesting. The S&P was in a little bit of a correction at that point. It rallied 15% after that. People thought it was swept under the rug. Subsequently, from May 2008 to the lows in nine, it dropped 50%. Okay, now let's move forward to yields. The U.S. Treasury yield on the 10-year is at 2.63%. People were talking about 2016. That was a generational low. We might have just made a generational double top, breaking that uptrend. Here's the long-term chart of the 10-year Treasury yield. Maybe we have been in a decades-long generational topping process where yields are never going up. I don't think that's good for the banks right here. I don't think it's good for the global economy. And then lastly, let's just get to Citibank here because this is the one I was picking on in early December. Look at that. Carter will just speak to that V. He'll talk to that where it stalled out right here. What is the next identifiable um, you know, uh, catalyst for Citibank? It's going to be Q1 earnings. We're going to get into the stress test. There's going to be some stuff going on in Europe, whether you like it or not. I think this is a great opportunity to pick on a name like Citigroup right here. So I want to look out to April expiration. I want to catch their next earnings event. I want to catch the fact that this stock rallied 30% in the last month. It's pretty simple. You buy a put spread. When the stock was trading at 62 today, you could buy the April 60-50 put spread, paying $1.60 for that. 
that. That breaks even down at 58.40. You can make up to 8.40 between 58.40 and 50 bucks. My target on the low end, 50, is because that's kind of where it bottomed out around Christmas Eve here. So I like the risk reward here. I'm risking, I don't know, two, two and a half percent to possibly make, you know, five and a half times my money if the stock goes back in the next two and a half months down to 50 bucks. I think a lot of people will be interested in this trade precisely because you said, you know, because of the rally that we've seen in Citigroup shares in just the past month or so. But there are a couple of, of elements to the argument. I do want to get to the trade specifically that I think people will be hung up on because they're kind of shocking. I mean, to compare SunTrust and what's going on with BB&T to J.P. Morgan being forced to buy Bear Stearns in no, some way. Not, not a first well, deal. We, we were talking about yeah. Commerce Bank and Deutsche Bank. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, the interesting thing there when you start yeah. talking about investment banks that are in a little bit of a death spiral, which I think Deutsche Bank is, Bear Stearns was, the problem is that you start to see a combination of things working against them, and then their only remedy is to try to look at cutting their expenses. You start seeing, a, you know, a flight of talent. They start losing business. There's just really no good way out except a merger for them, and that's not even a good good solution, but it's a solution. You know, I will say that, you know, when you take a look at the valuations for money center banks, they're clearly telling you something is very, very wrong. And when we look globally, we can see what's wrong. It's just in the United States that it isn't. I mean, I would, I would suspect that if you were going to be in financials, you probably would want to be more in the regionals, although they didn't perform particularly well after that merger news either. So, I mean, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to short this thing right here at eight times forward earnings, but, but do you uh, like this trade? I do like the trade okay. a lot because, yeah. I mean, you're talking about a $10 wide uh, put spread, which I think makes a lot of sense. We're talking about how volatile the stock can be, and you're spending, you know, $1.60 on a $10 well, it's I, mean, right. so, I think that makes so sense. The, the circumstance is this, that is there anything different? This is not good or bad about Citibank. Is there anything different with Citibank and all of them? Meaning they all have the common circumstance of a collapse. They all have the common circumstance of a ricochet. And whether it's big money center banks like C and BAC, but it's also Met and Prue and Travelers. It's also Goldman Sachs. It's Morgan Stanley. I think the really concerning thing is how poorly those two major brokers act. Goldman and Morgan Stanley are literally making new 52-week relative lows to their sector. And that's that's the leading edge in many ways. So the whole thing, and yes, rates, we know that's the story, but the whole thing is, is heavy. We're in a technical part, doesn't act well. Yeah, I want to make one really clear point. I'm not saying that we are on the cusp of a 2008 bank thing. If you look at the leverage of these banks, you look at their valuations, you look at their exposure to risky assets in investment public, it just doesn't exist. It doesn't exist the way it did in 2008. That's not my point. If you're looking at Citigroup, though, it sold off to $50 last month for a whole host of reasons that we've been talking about for months. There's a good chance it could happen again if some of those reasons come to pass. And my point about mentioning that regional bank is that, okay, these guys have the foresight that they're going to make this really killer, the sixth largest bank. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Who knows what's going to happen when we start having forced bank mergers in Europe? That's kind of my point. And Citibank will easily be back at 50 in 2019 if a lot of bad stuff comes to pass. It's the sort of stuff that people are worried about in December. Yeah, I mean, you've got three months till this thing expires. Less than two months ago, the stock was sub 50. So it clearly can make these kinds of moves and you're risking a relatively small percentage of the current stock price to make that bearish bet. All right, from financials to biz, check out shares of Coca-Cola up more than 14% over the last year. One of the best performing Dow stocks. The Chartmaster says shares could explode higher when the company reports earnings next week. So Carter, head over to the plaza, break it down. Sure, so well, maybe maybe fizz higher, pop higher, explode um, in the sense that this is a low beta stock, of course. It, it it is fizzy water. They're in the water business. But I like it long and um, three simple charts. First, the chart with nothing said. But what is interesting, right, is that this sell-off basically comes down and finds support. 
plus or minus, yes, and comes to life. Another way to draw the lines would be this way, right? The well-defined trend line from which the stock has bounced three times. And then finally, if you leave the bottom trend line on and put in a descending um, upper line, you have the setup that I think is ultimately the breakout. Simple chart, simple breakout bet, earnings coming. I like Coke long. Simple chart, simple breakout, simple trade, Mike. It is a simple trade, actually, because like a lot of Staples stocks, this is a name that has relatively inexpensive options. And so it does not make sense to complicate the trade at all in a situation like this. I'm just looking at the May 49 calls. You could spend $1.60 for those when I was looking at this earlier today. It obviously represents a relatively small percentage of the current stock price. They were actually slightly in the money when I was looking at that. Part of the reason that they are at that low price, it's worth noting, is that when you own a call option, you don't get a dividend. When you own the stock, you do. Uh, and that dividend, I think, between now and May is going to amount to a little bit over 40 cents. Nevertheless, you are also dealing with a stock, and one of the reasons that you might be looking to use call options instead of going out and buying the stock is it is at essentially very close to its all-time peak valuation, despite the fact that the top line, I mean, if we think about the fizzy sugared water business, right. it hasn't necessarily been a great story over the last couple of years. Revenues are substantially lower. They are managing their business very effectively, though, and they do have a very good earnings growth trajectory, and I think that's the reason why you'd be making a bullish bet here. And you might also have the circumstance where, let's say, it's all wrong. Everything we've just said doesn't break out. It's going to go down less than the market in the event of a general market sell-off. Yeah, so two things. I mean, the, the technical setup, it looks great. I mean, how many charts look that constructive in this market, especially in the stock market? Um, Mike's trade is simple, but it's also risking 3% for in-the-money um, participation, and vol is kind of cheap. So even if it sticks around here, you're in the game for a few months. The only thing I don't like about it, I don't like the fact that it's Coca-Cola trading at 22 and a half times, expected EPS and sales growth, mig single digits. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's not investable to me. It's a great options trade based on your technical analysis. That's well, the way I think about it. Proctor just broke out, and Proctor's yeah. no more exciting than Coke. Yeah, I hated that, too. <laughs> well, I think the reason that you're looking at doing an options trade, I mean, first of all, the top-line story, as we already talked about, that, that isn't the story here. It is about whether or not they can manage that story, though, whether they, and the company is doing that part fairly effectively. We are seeing EPS growth, despite the fact that, you know, revenues are probably 10 billion lower than they were at their peak. So you're dealing with a situation where you're basically banking on a stable business, a relatively stable stock, and maybe, a, you know, looking forward in what we consider some trouble spots coming up ahead, and you're not spending a lot for these options. Do you put all your money into them? No, but if you're thinking the stock might go higher, you can risk a little and potentially make a lot. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. It's got juicier stories in the National Enquirer. So what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up. NVIDIA's free fall from the highs has investors freaking out. But Mike Coe says the worst could be behind it. He'll give us the trade. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back to Options Action. Semi-stock NVIDIA taking investors for a spin down 50% since hitting a high back in October. Shares sinking nearly 20% in a single day after reporting weak guidance in November and then getting crushed again in late January after warning its earnings next week could come up short. Despite the moves, Wall Street does expect the stock to recover at least some of those losses. The average analyst price target, $179 a share, and that's roughly 20% higher than where the stock is trading. And with the options market expecting a 7% move in either direction for the stock, should you bet on a rally in NVIDIA? Mike's over at the Plasma with Call to Action. Mike. Yeah, so I think if you're inclined to make a bullish bet on NVIDIA here, you might want to do it in a fairly cautious way. We're going to take a look at a structure called a call spread risk reversal. Here's some of the reasons why we're looking at that. First of all, as you alluded to, after they announced, they basically had that pre-announcement, we saw a sharp decline in the stock price. It's actually rebounded fairly sharply off of that. But let's pay attention, I think we should, to that recent low, which was right about 130 bucks. Here's a situation where you're potentially looking for exposure to the upside. Maybe you think the worst is over because they've given that poor, uh, basically, pre-announcement, but now we're going to have earnings. So if you want to have some upside exposure. And the other thing is, in a structure like this, you do need to be willing to get long the stock at a lower price. Let's take a look at what the stock has been doing. We can see this very poor performance. This is the level that I'm talking about right down here basically hit a bottom, I think it was about 131 bucks. So that's basically the level we're thinking, we want to give ourselves some cushion in the event that it goes back to that level. So how do we put this trade on? I was looking at the March 130, 150, 165 call spread risk reversal. So what are we doing? We're selling the 130 put for 385, buying the 150 calls for $6.70, and then selling the 165 calls against it Net-net, you're spending 55 cents to put this structure on. Now, I want to make a quick point here because when earnings are going to be announced, typically what you're going to see is the implied volatility, the price of options, is going to decline. And what is likely to happen if the stock doesn't move very sharply is that this call and this put are going to decline in value more than the call that you're long. So that 55 cents, if it sits right here, chances are you're not actually going to lose that money. Let's take a look at what happens. If the stock rallies because you own the 150 call, you're going to have exposure to that. That's up only about 3% from here. On the other hand, if the stock does give us further disappointments and starts to settle in a little bit, you're going to actually get net long the stock at 130 bucks. That's a decline of about 10% from here. And I would point out also, this expires in March. If you take a look at how the stock has behaved after earnings, the month after earnings, typically you see a move up or down by an average of about 10%. Those are pretty key levels that we're looking at here. I wouldn't want to buy the stock right here, given the news that we've seen. Two consecutive quarters of fairly weak guidance, fairly weak performance. But if you are inclined to make a bullish bet, this might be a way to do it. Take a little bit less risk at the same time. Dan, what do you think of this trade? A uh, couple things I really like about it. I think that to the downside, worst case scenario is you put the stock at 130. What I also like about it, he's created a structure where he's not paying a lot of premium and he has very near the money um, participation to the upside. He also is not too long dated here. You're really playing this um, sort of event. And I would just make one other point. Apple, they did pre-announce on January 2nd. The stock got murdered. When they actually got around to reporting their quarter and spending some time with investors, the stock rallied and has been pretty strong. Um, so to me, I think this one sets up pretty good. Depending, if it, Again, Mike said, if you are inclined to buy the stock, this is really a good way to do it as an alternative. Right. And, and, and there is asymmetry to the upside in that sense, because if you have pre-announced, right, you're not going to come out with something typically that's worse because you try to manage that by pre-announcing. Right. So if it's going to be a surprise somehow, even though you've pre-announced, it's going to be something that's positive, more likely than not. But in terms of the actual pattern of the stock, having dropped from, you know, 292 to 
uh, where is it, down 57%. And basically, the stock is fair price. It's been re-rated here. And from a technical point of view, it has no character. Sometimes, again, stocks are at a great inflection points, big breakouts or rollovers, cups and handles, all the things that we talk about together on the desk. This is an instance where, you know what, NVIDIA kind of belongs here, both, I think, technically, and it could well be fundamentally. Hmm. Mike, last word. Yeah, I think the important thing to think about is that, you know, we're, we're a show about options. This is a situation where you might be looking at this and say, I can buy this stock at a discount. And what I'm saying is, maybe it is a discount to where it was trading, but this is a way where you can still get some exposure to the upside. And if you are forced to buy it, it's going to be at a 10% discount to this discounted price. All right, coming up, shares of Chipotle sizzling this week after the company reported earnings. We'll tell you if the stock has more room to run. Plus, got a burning question for one of the traders. Well, you're in luck because we're taking your tweets later in the show. We're live at the NASDAQ in the high Times Square. Much more fat options action right after this. <laughs> CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Last week, Mike thought the run in Chipotle was overdone. This has already made such a sharp bullish move going into earnings already. This stock is up well over 30% in a relatively short period of time. I was just looking out to March, looking at the 500 puts, 17 and a half bucks you could spend for those, and then selling the 450s against it for five and a half net net, you're spending about 12 bucks. That's approximately a quarter of the distance between the strikes. That stock has been soaring off its earnings report. So, Mike, how do you manage this trade? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you just have to admit that that direction was wrong. I mean, I felt that the stock had gone too far too fast. I wasn't crazy about the valuation, but the street disagrees with me. That much is clear, and I think I'm just going to walk away and nurse my wounds. Carter? I mean, certainly it's a breakout, right? And so uh, there are two ways to handle that if you're long. You take half off and let the rest ride, because after a gap, often you get follow-through. And if you're short... The way to handle it is like you handle any mistake. Get out. All right. Also last week, Dan said Expedia was headed for a travel nightmare. The stock has been in a pretty well-defined downtrend. There's been a couple times, including just today, where it's picked itself up above that downtrend. There's still a lot of concerns about global growth. And a company like Expedia really depends on global growth for their future growth. You could buy the April 120.95 put spread, paying $5 for that, buying one of the April 120 puts at 560, selling one of the April 95 puts at 60 cents. That stock's getting a boost off its report. So, Dan, are you holding on? Well, we had a bad week last week. <laughs> um, so here's the deal. So this was kind of interesting. And, and, you know, Carter may speak to the technicals. I'll give him a second there. That, that was obviously a breakout from that downtrend. But when I listened to that CEO who's on CNBC earlier today, and I read their guidance last night, we talked about it on Fast Money, I just didn't buy what they were selling. And you know what? Who else didn't buy it? Investors gapped this thing up. It was trading up 10% at one point. It closed almost on the low of the day. So this is one where it... I had a $25 wide 
put spread out to April. It costs $5. It's worth about two right now. Normally, I would say you got to cut your losses at a 50% premium stop. But I got a lot of time here. Monday, if this thing continues to the downside, you may have this thing right where you want it. So I'm going to say give it a little time. That's actually a really good point. I mean, when you're trying to manage a trade where you still believe in it, but you obviously got the move wrong initially, there are, if you have a long enough term trade, then you can obviously stay with it. Another thing you can do is you could look to adjust your strikes. I mean, for one thing, had you shorted the stock, the pain would have been much greater than having put the options trade on. You still have an opportunity to do a little bit of a reset, stay, you know, give yourself some time for it to play out. I do agree with you. It didn't trade particularly well. And that was in a tape today that did very well, actually. We started very poorly today, and we finished basically on the highs. That wasn't true for the stock. It did the exact fact, opposite. That's the, that's the most salient point here, right? If a stock has news and it gaps up and all day long the momentum continues and people are buying into the close versus a stock that intraday starts to find exhaustion, no more buyers, and close almost on the low, it's not actually that bullish a day at all. Yeah, I want to make one last point about when we do these event trades, they're really, really hard to make money. you got to get the direction right, the magnitude of the move, and timing. And timing's really important. So when we do a trade idea on a Friday afternoon and the company's not reporting until Thursday, you got to use your head about entries and that sort of thing because putting the trade on first thing Monday morning can be tough too, you know, because this stock had already moved six bucks between now and Thursday. You might want to adjust strikes, that sort of thing. So to me, I think timing is one of the most important aspects of these trades. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Time to take your tweets. Our viewer asks, what are your views on the March 8th weekly 160 calls in Salesforce? Mike. Uh, you know, so this is a critical level and a critical time. We have earnings. 160 looks like the level from which it would break out. So if you're inclined to make that play, I'd rather do that than buy the stock for sure. And it looks like it's, it is going to break out. It gapped on its last earnings. It's a well-defined top at a common level. It's been contending with the high and in a position to now exceed the high. Your thoughts on Salesforce? Competitor Service Now had great results. Yep. It broke out. It's one of the first big, big cap stocks to make a new high from, uh, from the prior highs. All right. Time now for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Carter Braxton Worth. Coca-Cola. Long safety name. Michael Coe. do calls in Coke and call spread risk reversals in NVIDIA rather than buying the stock. Daniel Nathan. Yeah, so I didn't mean to sound so confident on the bank stocks. I didn't mean to sound with any certainty that things are going to go the way they did, at, you know, times past. But it really seems like an easy one here. It was kind of scary, Bank. like the year lead up to that trade. Yeah, but it was scary. It was scary. Was it was, was scare. yeah, all sorts of scared Boom, there. Doom. Anyway, so, so okay, that does it for us here on Options Action. See you back here next Friday. Mad Money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.